There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Yellow Block on the TalkSport Fan Network. Well, after a great start, things have turned rather sour in PE2. Since we last recorded, we've played thrice, winning one and losing two on the bounce. Joining me to discuss the last couple of weeks this evening is Nathan. Good evening, sir. Evening. All right. Yeah, not bad. How are you? Good, good. Cracking on, yeah. Good. And also, all the way from Sunny Bolton, I've got Mr. Dan Topknot Weldon. Evening. How are we doing? Yeah, all right. Thanks for stepping in last minute, Dan. Uh, We were meant to have uh, Jared on, but we understand that his missus has just done the big food shop. Um, So he's obviously now otherwise engaged and unable to attend. So yeah, thank you for stepping in. Last minute substitute. Hopefully you can uh, fill his fill his void I was going to say but that's a completely different podcast we won't get into that good so for the first time we are entering the football content awards if you do enjoy this podcast and would like to see Jared add to his four awards head on over to the footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting um that's footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting and nominate the yellow box for best podcast in the football league category and also if you're feeling extra generous best club content again in the football league category that would be great uh we're going against a certain other podcast uh so from our point of view we have uh, vested interest in doing quite well this year um but yeah would appreciate any support you can give us on that a couple of listener messages since we last recorded uh, we've had another email uh, this one's from emma green she says i can't quite get my head around selling jch to another league one team is highly likely to be golden boot or up there again. So why would we sell him to our rivals? If it is only for the money, then obviously we're in a lot more financial trouble than Darrett is letting on. No one believes it is because he doesn't fit into our young hungry team because he hasn't looked too bad so far. If we sell him to a League One team, we have no replacement in our team and no one that will come in and get 20 plus goals. Do we agree with Emma's concerns here? Um, yeah, I would completely agree. I mean... We, we are a club that does sign very good strikers. So I think from that point of view, 
there is faith there, but it's more the worry that it is so close to the end of the window where a lot of clubs have already done their business, probably have already signed some of the strikers that we may well have been in the market for should JCH go. Um, so that's more my concern, really. Um, and also, as she said in that point, you are sending into likely a League One rival, which you know weakens us and, and obviously strengthens them. So, yeah, I think at this point, we're so close to the end of the window, I would keep him. But, you know, if there's financial constraints, then, you know, that's going to be that's going to be the key consideration, I guess. Yeah, I think I think one point I would pick up with what, what Emma said there is she says uh, no one believes it's because he doesn't fit into our young hungry team because he hasn't looked too bad so far. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's a case of not fitting into a young hungry team. For me, he doesn't fit into our style of play anymore, and I certainly haven't seen enough of him this season to warrant not moving him on. But completely take your point, Nathan. If we do move him on, and obviously there's there's rumours that um, Tushimanga is still going to go. Who do we bring in behind him? And if he's not that fit for, for our style of play, what kind of striker is a fit for our style of play? Yeah, that's a, that's a very, very good point. Especially if um, Tushimanga does go, which obviously we don't really know. We haven't heard anything since that rumour went about. But, you know, I, I wouldn't fancy Ricky J. Jones to get 20 goals. Um, I suppose Mason Clark could play up front, but again, you're kind of losing that, that width and, and that kind of energy from from the wide areas so yeah it, that would be a concern I think and again like I said you're getting so close to the end of the window that the options of strikers that you can bring in um surely it's going to be sort of slim pickings I suppose yeah it's weird isn't it Dan because whenever I go on other teams podcasts they all mention JCH as the player I know when you you spoke to Barnsley a few uh, weeks ago it was all about Johnson Clark Harris and they're all really surprised whenever I say, well, if he goes, he goes, it's not the end of the world. Uh, are we maybe perhaps underestimating his influence? Because, I mean, Emma is right. He probably will be up there for, for Golden Boot. It's, it seems a bit weird that we're all kind of like, well, yeah, it's no great loss. Yeah, I think the problem with JCH is that when he's not playing well, you seem to notice it a lot more because he's so important to the team, because his goals are so sort of, you know, that's just so important to the team that, you know, we've basically thrived off that for the last, what, two, three seasons. And when he doesn't play well, when he doesn't score these goals, when he's out of the team, we just don't seem to be, you know, threatening in, in attack. We don't seem to have that guilt edge, that, that, that you know, clinical element. Whereas, you know, if, if we had some sort of backup striker, you know, like last two seasons we've had Jack Marriott, it, it was never the worst thing in the world if he had to miss a couple of games through, you know, fitness issues or, you know, he wasn't playing well enough to be in the team because we had a player that we, you know, had faith in, you know, Jack Marriott obviously didn't have the best times in his second spell, but he was still a very good player. He's still capable of scoring goals at our level. Um, but, you know, you mentioned about Shimanga being rumoured away, JCH, obviously, you know, it, it's been the talk of the town the, the whole way through the window of when he leaves. It's not a case of if, it is a case of when, be it now or January or the end of his contract because he's not going to sign that extension. You know, so we really need to get a grip of, of what the plan is. It's it's quite clear that the owners don't want to invest too much at the moment. And obviously, you know, our financial worries off the, off the pitch are well documented at this point. So it's, it's quite worrying for me to sort of look at the squad and think, where the hell are we going to go? You know, Shimanga, I think just based on the fact that he doesn't come on for JCH when he goes off the pitch and substitutes is a clear indication that 
the management don't have faith in him and he's not good enough to play in the team. When we're replacing a striker with a winger in, in Ricky J. Jones, which, you know, that's the position they want to play him in now, it really worries me. And I just don't really know where the future goes. You know, we need goals in this team and we're just not getting them. On a slightly side note, I completely agree with everything Dan said. The the only way I see this working if we were to sell JCH is if we get someone who's as transformative as Ivan Tony was or Jack Marriott was when he came in. There's there's no point selling him if you don't get a player who is as equal or better than he is, or younger even. Like I, I just don't think that's going to work because without his goals, I really think we just lose that focal point. We really lose that just cutting edge up, up top. I don't think we have anyone besides probably Mason Clark who's as ruthless as he is. And even then, you know, you can't rely on Mason Clark for, for the goals for us to stay, you know, in the hunt for promotion or at least, you know, solidly doing well. I, I just, yeah, unless you get someone who's Ivan Tony quality, I just don't think it works. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, Ricky Miller's doing things at Stanford now. I wonder if he would be up uh, for a, <laughs> a trip back over. No, I think it's really interesting you mentioned a couple of big former posh strikers there because there's one point about jch that it's only really occurred to me over the last few days when there's been all this talk about transfers and that's you look at the conveyor belt of strikers at posh we've had some amazing strikers that have gone on to play for big clubs and achieve great things now none of them were two times golden boot winners with posh so if you're a club that is in the championship premiership wherever and you're looking at JCH and you're thinking this is coming from a club that is proven to produce amazing strikers. And this one has won the Golden Boot twice. Surely he would have a flurry of teams in after him. So what is it about him that's making teams go, yeah, I mean, that's great, but he's he's not for it. So if I'm a, I don't know, just pick a team. Let's say I'm a Preston. Yeah, I've got a million pounds to spend on a striker. Peterborough are proven to produce amazing strikers. They've got this striker there that's won league one golden boot twice, million pounds. That to me seems like a no brainer, but there's something there that's stopping clubs buying him. I wonder what it is. I think probably age being one thing. Definitely. Um, I think possibly because he is slightly one dimensional in that he is very much a target man. He's not necessarily running behind can, you know, hassle defenders can do that kind of side of the game that's that's not him he is very much penalty box pro- poacher um which is nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong um but it does also go back to as you just mentioned about you know numerous strikers that we've had off the conveyor belt from that point of view yes he probably is one of the most prolific but i wouldn't say he's the most complete and i think that's probably what puts championship clubs off of him yeah, I completely agree. And I guess that's why he's only really being linked now with League One teams. I saw that Bristol Rovers were being linked with taking him back. And it's like, well, and this is no disrespect to Bristol Rovers, but surely he's better than that now. I don't know. I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's a, he's a conundrum. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still here at the end of the transfer window, I think. But I guess it's like you said, Dan, it was always kind of pitched to us as a, a when rather than an if, um, really, with him. But yeah, the JCH saga continues. Uh, I've had a tweet in from Nick Atkinson as well. It says, great pod as always. Regarding mascots, I remember when an away player laid behind Mattress Man while another pushed him over, <laughs> after which he couldn't get up. <laughs> I really, I hope somebody filmed that or has at least got that uh, on camera. That would be hilarious to watch. Uh, I also had a message from a a friend of mine who doesn't support Posh, but was watching the EFL highlights show yesterday. 
uh, sent me a message to say, what the fuck is that? Because Skipman made it onto uh, the EFL highlight show. Um, so yeah, Skipman going uh, viral, potentially for all the wrong reasons. I did notice uh, yesterday, Dan, that Skipman has a backpack as well. He has to walk around carrying a Mick George like backpack thing. Uh, as if wearing a skip on his head wasn't bad enough. Yeah. Look, anything for a quick bucket, this club, isn't it? It's, you know, <laughs> if we can get an extra 10 grand from sponsorship, let's do it. Allegedly. Allegedly, of course. Um, talking about away fans, uh, it's Posh We Are has tweeted us on uh, Twitter X, whatever it's called nowadays. Uh, says it is now time. Sorry, is is it now time to let Fergie's Blue Army take over the Desco and get the old place rocking every game? Dan, you're nodding vigorously there, if if that's a word for a Sunday evening. Yeah, this is something that we spoke about in our in our WhatsApp group chat yesterday after the Derby game. I I just feel, and, you know, by all means, if people disagree with me, get in contact, but I feel like we oversell our away allocations for for home games far too much, you know, and I'm all for getting the money in when we can, but, you know, there's got to be a line, there's got to be some sort of give because you can't have teams like Derby bringing 4,000 fans or, or as close that makes no difference to to London Road when we're only getting eight or nine K home fans as it is, you know, we need a better ratio of home to away than that. You know, you look at all the other clubs in the league and there are very, very few that do what we do in terms of their away allocations and selling them. You know, you go to clubs like Derby, you know, like Barnsley, you know, these clubs with, with the bigger stadiums to be fair, but you know, the, the ratios are like five, six, seven to one plus, you know, I mean, Derby, when we played in the championship, I think they gave us an allocation of two and a half K and we sold it out, but they had 25 K in, you know, it, it makes a big difference. And the atmosphere at London road is hostile enough as it is with everything that happened over, you know, off the pitch that to add to it by having that many away fans in, it just doesn't play into our hand. And in my opinion, it's hurting our performances on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's very seldom I disagree with you, Dan, but you're talking bollocks here uh, for this one. Um, so what you're basically suggesting, just so I can understand this right, is because we only bring in six, 7,000 as home fans, we should limit the away fans to like 1,000, 1,500, something like that. Is that what you're suggesting? No, and in fairness, we bring in more more home fans now than we did several years ago. I think we are averaging closer to nine now in terms of home attendances for, for weekend games. But I do think we do need to limit it. We, I don't think when we bring in nine, call it 10, just for argument's sake, and round up to a nice big number. If we have 10,000 home fans in, we shouldn't be allowing any more than 2,000 away fans. More than 2,000 is too much. But football's a money game. So we've got 4,000 Derby fans yesterday, an average of what, 20, was it like 22 quid a ticket, something like that? Was that no, nine, 90? 30. Well, all right. But even I mean, at like for low, an adult ticket, it's like 30 now, isn't it? But even at like low 20s, that's what, like 90, 100 grand? Like you can't afford to lose that sort of money just because it makes the atmosphere a little bit one sided. What you're what we're suffering from here, Dan, with what you're suggesting is the fact that we aren't as big a club as what we like to think we are. The reason that Derby bring in 20, 25,000 fans, home fans, that is, is because they're a huge club who can sell their ground. We can't. So you look at clubs that are of a similar kind of stature to us, and I would argue that actually it probably is in keeping with that. Then factor in the fact that we're dead easy to get to as an away day for pretty much any other League One club. 
And we're always going to have big away followings at, at Posh. It's not because we offer amazing facilities or anything like that, because often they end up in the yellow block. But the point is, like for clubs our size, I think you've got to be realistic and think, well, no, we've got to take that. You can't, you can't throw away free money like that just because you want the atmosphere to be a little bit one-sided, right? No, but it's not a one-sided atmosphere I'm looking for. I, I just I want home games to be less hostile to the home team, and I think that's very fair. You know, a, a team like Peterborough, especially over the last four or five years, you know, we have struggled so much with mentality, and away days are absolutely horrible for us. You know, we don't play well at all, and it's mainly because of the atmosphere and the players, to me at least, seem to be intimidated on the pitch. If we bring that similar atmosphere and that similar sort of you know environment to our home games. It's definitely not playing into our hand. And with a young squad, again, it just all these elements to me are adding up to to be less than constructive for our team and our development. You know, when we're selling these extra two thousand away tickets, yeah, fantastic. It's a great money grab. We get what fifty grand for it, which fair enough to a club like us these days probably does make a big difference. But you know, on a similar argument, if we maybe you know did more in terms of of offers to, to the school children like we used to. And, you know, maybe lowered our prices a little bit for these bigger games to get more fans in. We could probably get a similar number in, but have the atmosphere a lot better and a lot more in our favour. But as it were, those Derby fans were sort of the loudest I've heard at London Road for a very, very long time. And that's including Sheffield Wednesday in the playoffs. You know, they were absolutely bouncing. And that doesn't help us. I I do get both of your points. The the trouble with it is that, as Tim said, we just don't have enough fans who will turn up week in, week out, that will be there every week. And therefore, if the club get the opportunity, which obviously in the, the game um, on Saturday they, they did, to get 4,000 fans in or however many it might be, to get that amount of money through the door, it is very much a win-win for them. The, the other trouble is because they sell the Desco stand, you've then got the hostility of having one end behind the goal that is purely away fans. The other end that is obviously great home support, that's kind of where the noise comes from. You've got that juxtaposition of half the ground feels as if it's Derby, half the ground feels as if it's posh. And you, you're you never going to get away from that purely because of the geography of, as, as Tim said, the geography of where we are. The fact that we're not the biggest supported club at all by any stretch of the imagination. And we do punch above our weight for the size of gates that we get. I think we're just we're in that very unlucky category where we're not going to get enough fans through the door for us to warrant not giving enough um, tickets to away fans. It's just the, the other trouble is we aren't the loudest set of fans either. I think the best atmosphere I've had was that first leg um, playoff um, in the summer. And that was probably because of the weight of the game and the fact that it was just such a massive night and it was a, an evening game. You're on Sky, you know, you're there to make an impression. The fact that we score early. If we have enough of that, I think that then does affect what we then do in terms of marketing our ticket sales, etc. I think it just completely changes that whole story. But the, the trouble is, as as you've also said, when we're going away, we don't necessarily turn up away as, as often as we could do. That means then that games are sort of less important when we're at home because we might not, not necessarily be in the position that we should be had we actually turned up away. It, it just becomes a big sort of circle of doom, really, rather than necessarily being... Being what it should be that's kind of how i see it i think 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I understand that. And I'm not for one second saying that, you know, we, we should just close off half the ground to the way fans and sell like a little portion. You know, I'm not saying just give them the yellow block every week. But when you give them the Desco, Desco is what? Two and a half K in, in terms of capacity. Yeah, I take your point here. So what you're suggesting is more a case of rather than having them behind both goals, put them like most clubs do at the side in a corner somewhere. So like where they used to, where they sort of are on that main stand. Is that what you're suggesting? No, no, I, I'm all for them being behind the goal at the Desco stand. If we've got a big attendance for the away games, give them the Desco. Fine, it, it's it works better in terms of you know the the logistics of it, in terms of match day security and all that. And I get all that. I'm, I'm not trying to you know upset the apple cart as it were, but to give them the Desco and then half of the main stand as well to me just seems to be a little bit greedy from the ownership and it doesn't help us on the pitch because again mentality is a big issue for posh it always has well or it hasn't always been but it has been the last what four or five years so it's just getting worse in my opinion the younger this squad gets so you go you go back to the derby game this weekend you've got derby with your food let's say we give derby the desco it's a wall of white they make loads of noise because they travel really well we wouldn't fill the area that the derby fans then were in the in the main stand would it change the atmosphere? I don't think it would because you've still got that wall of noise coming from the desk. I think what would be better is what um, has been suggested on Twitter by it's Posh We Are There, which is to put Poshies at either end of the go- uh, behind both goals, even if it's not full, and then put the away fans in the kind of crappy seats in around where the yellow block is, right? Um, and if it is a big away following, well, you deal with that at the time, don't you? But that way, then you've got you can get the vocal, noisy Posh fans in the desco. You've got them next to the away fans. So you've got that bit of back and forth, which we all enjoy. And you would have a bit more of an atmosphere because anyone that's ever been outside of London Road Terrace and sat in one of the other free stands will know noise does not travel out of that terrace at all. It's loud in London Road Terrace, but it's quiet as anything outside of it. So put the posh fans in the Desco, the noisy posh fans, that is, in the Desco. And I think that would make a huge difference to the atmosphere that you're talking about there. I think in an ideal world, though, you would just give posh fans the, the Desco purely because it's both ends of the goal and that way it, it probably is less vociferous in terms of um, sort of away support. But like, if we know, say, a week before the Derby game, for instance, that we know we're not going to be selling out the Desco, go and give the tickets to kids or whoever you can do, local people, maybe give it to some OAPs or something like that purely from the fact that you've at least then got home support in there. As Dan says, then you are you can put purely Derby fans in the yellow block area of seats and then just put OAPs behind the goal. It may, or OAPs or kids or whoever it might be. It just That would make more sense to me so that you've got both ends are pure posh supporting sides and you've got an area where the Derby fans go and then it is less noisy, it is less vociferous against us and then it does feel more like a home game. It probably does improve, improve the atmosphere. And then also you might in future which I know they've tried with the schools initiative and I'm sure that they did do very well with it initially, you are then probably going to get more, you know, match going fans from a younger age group who then have to bring their parents or their grandparents to come. And then you are going to raise the gates that way. That's going to be an organic way to do it. You're going to bring in more money and you are going to get a younger fan base, which I know that they're quite keen to do in the first place. Yeah, interesting points. Interested to hear what, what other people think about this. Do get in contact and let us know. But yeah, for me, it's it's definitely time to move the sort of more um, 
solid home support, the more vocal home support into the Desco. It's nicer facilities as well. Um, create a standing area at the back if they want to stand up. Happy days. Jobs are good. Uh, I do miss the old days, the old Moyes End Terrace when you had the away fans in there because I used to sit in the sort of upper family stand at that end. And yeah, I do, I do miss having that kind of back and forth with away fans, uh, you know, giving them certain hand gestures when you score a last minute winner, that sort of stuff. Um yeah, good times. Anyway, let's talk about what's been happening uh, off the pitch. Obviously, we've we've t- we've touched on a few things there, but I guess the big thing to talk about is what's coming up uh, this week, which is the end of the transfer window. We've already talked about JCH uh, as it stands. We've still got Mr. Ronnie Edwards uh, at the club. Um, do we anticipate any more ins or outs before then? If Ronnie goes, which I've not heard any murmurings, I know that West Ham were potentially looking at him. I suppose they've still got some of that Declan Rice money a little bit left to do. Um, that would be my worry, but hopefully that would involve a loan back. But why would you loan him back to a League One club? You'd probably put him in the Championship if you're going to do that at all. Um, so that would be uh, my main worry. If I do hope that they try and bring in a left back, um, which I think might be one of the topics we're going to come on to is, is what we do in Burrows at left back. Um, I do hope that they bring in an actual left back, um, which hopefully is up better. Um, if not, then someone who's you know as competent as he, as he was, and you know as promising as he was, he was in terms of a prospect. Um, that would be what I would expect. Would maybe Ronnie goes out, a centre back comes in, and hopefully another left back comes in. But who knows? Is that seagulls in the back? Yeah, yeah. They've literally just started. Have I've got the windows slightly open. Or, uh, no, I, we live in Hempstead. It's literally around the corner from the ground. So. Oh, no, okay, fair enough. Peter is being attacked by. Although, actually, I'm sure somebody will get in touch. Technically, there's no such thing as a seagull, I believe. They're just gulls. So there you go. Uh, I actually, as I've mentioned before, live in Rugby, which is fun fact: the furthest point from a beach anywhere else in England. Uh, and we get gulls here. So uh, perhaps it's a myth that they're just surrounded to the beach. But anyway, there we what go. part of that fact was fun? Well, I mean, all right, there might be citation needed on it being a fun fact, but um, all right, second fun fact. Well, I can, I can give you some fun facts about rugby. Let's think, what can we do? Uh, uh, the sport was invented here, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly. Um, and there are more uh, Turkish hairdressers than there are people that live in the town. Um, so that's another interesting mm. fact about rugby as well. So there we go. Uh, Dan, are you expecting anything uh, else on the transfer side of things? I think only if, if players move on. I think our business is done. Obviously, we always like to get it done early. And, and the fact that there's been no rumours would sort of suggest to me that, that we are done. When um, you say there's no rumours, you mean there's no hyping up on Twitter by Dara about anyone? Is that what Yeah, you're... pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if Ronnie's going to go, he's going to go. I, I personally think it's probably going to be January. Um just because, again, you know, he's not moved on early. And I think if, if we were going to make a move for, for a replacement, we'd have wanted him out of the door a bit quicker. Um, that being said, you know, I could be very wrong and he could go tomorrow or, or the day after. Um, I don't think JCH is going to go. I think he's probably going to end up uh, leaving in January, most likely for next to nothing, because I can't see his form improving anytime soon based on, on the performances he's given us so far. I know he scored at the weekend, but after that what else did he do um and and, and yeah it, look if we bring in a left back fantastic it's probably the weakest position right now with Harrison Burroughs playing out of position but I mean good god we don't look great on the pitch so any any position right now would be an improvement I think uh, for me 
we do need players in irrespective of people go because we have got no squad depth. I know I said it to you lads yesterday with the, the Derby game. You're looking at the bench and you're thinking, well, who have you got to bring on and change things? There, there seems to be a real lack of depth. And as we've mentioned before, of course, with the extra minutes that we're playing this season and the extra suspensions, and you mentioned this on the, the last preview pod, Dan, it, there's like we're going to need that squad depth more than ever. And it feels like we are really, really weak uh, in terms of not just quality, but also just genuine numbers. This is something that I thought when I've listened to, to Dara's pods and, and I've sort of heard from, from the club from that point of view is that, yeah, great, we're going to use the academy. I completely agree. I love I love the fact that we do that and we've got the, the sort of confidence to do that. But I think that has to be sprinkled in with an element of experience and it needs to be sprinkled in with some loans because you can't just throw in 17, 18, 19-year-olds, however old they may be, into this to start their first few games. I just I don't think that that's that's realistic, um, and you're you're not also going to get the fruits of their labour initially in the first few games either. So I think for me we we do need to bring in a couple of loans. I think um, whether that be you know up front if um, to Shimanga goes or just to purely have another striker on the bench. Um, obviously, I mentioned left back. That that for me is a glaring position that needs looking at. Not that I dislike Harrison because I really do. I think he's a great player, um, but I just don't necessarily think he's a left back. Um, and then, yeah, depth if if other players go, because, you know, as you mentioned, the, the bench doesn't look as, as strong as it could do. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I like Ricky J. Jones. I think he's, he, if he can get his head right, I think he can be a really valuable player and he can have a, a good future in the game. Um, I think his pace and, you know, his trickery, he's, he's, he is a solid player when he's got his mind on it. So hopefully he can come good. And I think... The signing of um, the Haviland is is not a bad one by any stretch either. I think he will, pr- will prove to be a, a solid player as well. But you can't rely on on players who maybe aren't quite ready yet. I think we do need some some strength in depth, which we maybe had a little bit more last season before. Obviously, we moved we moved players on and, and kind of went towards that youth first approach. Hmm, interesting. I've saw a, a little rumor popping up on Facebook. So obviously, you know, reliable source, uh, which basically says that Fergie will resign again uh, if key players are sold without replacing them. Now, I find this quite interesting because we were obviously pitched the idea that this was Fergie's master plan, right, to go young and hungry. So if this is the case, then somebody's been lying to us. I mean, is there any truth in this? Why would he? Why would he resign? Surely this is nonsense. I saw the same post, and I must say, it looked terribly reliable, um, by which I mean it looked completely fake. Um, no, look, we've heard it all before, and quite frankly, the players that we have sold already this season, we haven't seen that come back in terms of you know fees spent. You know, we've signed a couple of players, but you know they've not been for massive amounts. We've signed very young players, probably on you know disgustingly. Um, sort of, you know, low deals with with high cash outs on the other end for the for the selling clubs. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't know the the transfer policy of the club anymore. You know, as much as any of us do, Darren's got his own ways, and and Darren probably isn't consulted as much as he should be on the squad. But we're going to sell players. Hopefully, we're going to get as much as we possibly can for them. But I mean, I don't see us getting a big fee for JCH anymore. Ronnie Edwards, you know, there was murmurs that we might get upwards of seven, eight mil at one point. Personally, can't see that happening. It'll be, it'll be all sell-ons, won't it, with Ronnie? Exactly, be, exactly. Yeah. It always is. So, you know, if we get five for Ronnie, I'd be happy, to be honest. 
in, 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 in this market. The, the, the trouble is here is that Ronnie is a more than capable now, probably championship player. That's that's the bottom line fact here is that he is way above our level. He should really be playing at least that. Um, he the thing is is he is effectively what a Premier League talent would be doing right now is they would be loaned out they'd be in the championship and that's what he'd be doing and that the fact that we have him is bonkers to me in in the first place but if we do let him go we need to get somebody who is a proven league one player that that will be you're never going to get a player as good as Ronnie Edwards by any stretch but if you can get somebody who is very good and is is at least top level league one then you've got to be delighted but with Ronnie, he should be going for seven and a half to ten million any day of the week. At the end of the day, but he's that good. I don't get how anyone can not not think he is. Um, and if we sell him for anything less than that, then it's criminal. Um, which I don't think that we will do purely because Barry is just has a master stroke in moving players out of the club and getting good deals. But yeah, I think anything below that is is for me is just a waste because he he is that good. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he plays for England one day. Um, I think he is that good. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm, I'm not for a second saying that he's not worth as much as, as we all hope him to be. You know, obviously, there was a point where, where Darrow was calling him New Stadium every other week because he was expecting to get, you know, double figures and, and a good amount over that. It, it's just I, the way that clubs are spending money at the moment and the clubs that he's probably going to go to, I just can't see it being a big deal. I think the club that's most linked at the moment is Rangers. I, I can't see Rangers spending 10 mil on a League One player. No, they can't afford that. They no, exactly. If you're, if you're Ronnie, you're thinking West Ham is a very good option purely, A, because he's a fan, B, they're playing European football, C, they are eventually going to need another centre-back because I think they're, I mean, they're looking at Harry Maguire, for instance. They could probably get Ronnie and it would be just as effective. Um but you, you take my point, is that if you're him, that's probably the pinpoint that you want to go to. You wouldn't want to move to a Chelsea to United because you're not going to get game time. But I think West Ham would be a realistic club. Even Palace, if you look at like Gahey, for instance, probably not. You know, he, he will move on eventually. I think Ronnie, if he's thinking of, of that far ahead, that's the kind of move, if I were him, that I'd be thinking of, is that you go lower Premier League where you are going to get game time potentially or at least get a good loan that then puts you in the shop window. Um, in future, I just think, yeah, hopefully a club like that comes in for him because I really want the best for him. Um, and as Dan said, I, I, he's not worth being sold for four million. That I completely agree with you, and I, I don't think that we should do. But if that is the case, then someone's getting an absolute bargain. I, for me, I, I just think. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. You know, if we are going to sell these players, you you want to get someone League One proven, you know, effective, or or someone that's, you know, maybe just on the fringes of the Championship squads. I just don't think it's possible. You know, obviously we sold Frankie Ken, and who did we bring in? Romney Critchlow. You know, we brought in a player that fans of the club selling were laughing at us for. You know, they said you've got an absolute stinker there. And I, I, you know, if, if that's the player we're bringing in to replace Frankie Kent, you know, maybe not the best centre back we've ever had, but you know, a very solid League One player who's proven. I, I don't win. disagree. Like, so we're going to get seven mil, eight mil, whatever we get for Ronnie Edwards when he does eventually sell. We're not going to spend any of that on a centre back. Of course, we're not. You know, I, I think we'd be lucky if we spent a million on a centre back because that's just the way that this club goes. We'll, we'll buy someone for three, four, five hundred k from Barnet probably. And they might be very, very, very good, but we're not going to see a lot of that money going 
into the club in terms of transfers, it's going to go to clearing off the alleged astronomical amount of debt we've got. I don't disagree with you. I don't think, as much as I understand why they let Kent go, and it was a good move for him if you think about it, um, you know, Scottish Premier League, it's, you know, what would you rather, stay in League One or do that? Um, I can see why he's done that. But from from my point of view, you mentioned obviously about Critchlow, Huddersfield thinking he's a stinker. A lot of Leighton Orient fans said that about Kipriano, and I really like Kipriano. I think he's he's already proven that he's a very decent League One player. Um, hopefully, yeah, we do reinvest because if you you are going to get seven eight million, put say five of that in back into the club, and then use two of it, two million of it for bringing in and improving the first team squad and, and improving the prospects of the club. That that would be what I would do. Um, but again, you know, the, the club aren't necessarily going to follow what the fan fan base says, um, and rightly so. But who are they to to do that? Um, but I just hope that they do reinvest it, um, you know, with the the best of intentions. The uh, the rumor mill has been relatively quiet. Um, in, we've had obviously, as, as you mentioned there, the, the West Ham and Rangers interest in Ronnie Edwards, and then aside from that, it's only really outgoing. So. Johnson Clark Harris, we've already mentioned. Joey Barton confirmed in his post match interview this weekend that he is interested in bringing him back to, to Bristol Rovers. I mean, why wouldn't you be if you're Bristol Rovers? Um, and also Bolton uh, are supposedly circling around the Johnson Clark Harris transfer as well. So um, potentially a sideways move either way. I don't know. Um, what I do know is that by the end of Friday, our squad will be confirmed for the season. I've got a funny feeling we're in for quite a long winter, potentially based on how things are looking at the moment. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's talk about what's been happening on the pitch, though. It doesn't get too much better there at the moment. Um, yesterday, I say yesterday, we're recording this on a Sunday. Peabody and I, too. Uh, Wayne Rooney's Derby. It's Wayne Rooney's Derby now, is it? It's his cousin now. Is it? What was his name? Jake, Jake Rooney's cousin? I can't remember. They've got a Rooney. Uh, one of Wayne's cousins plays for Derby now. Uh, four. So this was a weird one. This because uh, do you know what? After twenty minutes, I'm thinking should be about three up here. We are we are on fire. We're going up, champions. And for a brief moment, we were actually top of the league. Um, fast forward an hour and a half, and we finished tenth in the table, um, and we're absolutely pasted four uh, two. It was a it wasn't a good day for our defence, even though we've just talked about Ronnie Edwards playing for England there. In fairness, I don't think much of that result was down to Ronnie, if I'm honest. No, I'm, I'm only being flippant. But defensively, it was poor, really poor. The thing is, is like especially for for um, their first goal, why are you leaving Waghorn so open for that? Like He, he had acres of space. No one picks him up. And then you, you see as he wheels away for his celebration, you've got Critchlow standing there like, 
what have we just done? And you're thinking, just get in the way of your man. Like, you've clearly let him go. It's just, it's silly little errors like that that I think cost us the game yesterday, um, from what I can see. And it just, that's what's frustrating is that, you know, I, I can forgive an error, but it, it, when you make four of them, it, it's then, like, wake up sometimes. Um, you know, it, it's just that's what's frustrating is you, you're giving yourself a really good start. You're 1-0 up at home. Go and take them on. Like, go and finish the game off. And, you know, for some reason, we've slightly put the handbrake on and, and we've gifted them, you know, four sloppy goals, really. You know, I know that, you know, a couple of them are fairly well worked, but then one of them is an absolute fluke. Um, you know, I don't know how we've lost the game, really. Um you know, you, ultimately, you are playing a derby side who are going to be very good. They will be up there at the end of the season. Um, but I just think that it seemed like they were there for the taking in that first half and, and we didn't finish them off, especially when, you know, you've got a goal up. You think, you know, go on, get a second, get a third, kind of like we did in, in the playoff um, semi-final first leg. It's it's That should have been the mentality, I think. But the less we talk about that, the better. It was weird because it did feel like they were... They were there for the taking. Absolutely, it was it was a, a strange old game, Dan. It would it, it didn't feel like a four. Well, we finished four two. So got the obviously consolation goal at the end, but it didn't feel like a four two game. It, it, or if it did, it certainly felt like it would have been the other way at one point. Right? It was you know, they were way off, way out of it. Was this a case of Derby were really good or just we were really shit? No, I think we were very very poor defensively, and they were just clinical. Uh, the be all and end all of it. I, I don't think that they were worthy of four goals, to be honest. I, I thought we we did well in terms of you know keeping them in in their own half a lot of the time. You know our pressing was good for the majority of the game, but you know we just give them four or five clear cut chances in that in that game, and they took the majority of them. And fair play to them. I just. This is this is the thing I was saying a couple of weeks ago. It, it seems that we've shifted mentality that little bit to, you know, where in the past under Fergie, our mentality was always, you know, let's not rely on our defence, let's score more than you. You know, attack, 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 attack. Whereas now, for whatever reason, we seem to want to be playing more balanced, you know, having a, a, a good build-up and, you know, not having to necessarily counter press as much when we lose the ball we can just sort of rely on our shape and, and let the boys take it but the problem is is that defensively this is probably the weakest squad we've had under Fergie certainly that I can remember in, in the more recent times and you know we're not scoring enough on the flip side anyway so you know it, it just to me doesn't make sense this mentality shift and I don't really understand it but to, to go against what Dan says so Dara in his podcast has quite regularly been saying that this football is going to be great to watch, but it is going to be risky and there are going to be mistakes that happen. But that doesn't really marry up sometimes with what you see, which, you know, I don't know whether that is a, a mentality thing from the players on the pitch, whether they, they go a goal ahead and think, OK, let's let's steady the ship or whether it is just a, a lack of mentality there or, you know, whether they're getting messages, you know, from the, the management staff. I don't know what it is, but it, it just, you know, you win your first three games, I think it was, and that's fantastic, that's great, that's brilliant. But from then on, you must start to think, you know, let's let's make sure that, yeah, we go ahead, but we maintain results. And, and ultimately, in in the past two games, we haven't done that. Um, and I, I wonder what, what that is, whether it's, you know, not being clinical enough, whether it's giving away sloppy goals, which obviously, ultimately, we did against Derby. Um, 
you know, there's got to be a pinpoint kind of message behind that, that that has to be looked at. And I'm sure it will be. But, you know, from what Dara has said in terms of this risky football, you know, while I, I think, yeah, we probably have seen that in a few games this season, I don't don't think that that was the case against Derby on, on Saturday. I, I didn't think that that came across. No. And one thing I did pick up in the, the Derby game um, that makes me a little bit concerned, I guess, because we I think we've all agreed that this is a young team. We're willing to be patient and stuff like that. And, and you know, if, if what Dara says is true, that it'll be risky, but we'll make mistakes, fine. No problem with that. But as you said, Nathan, it's not been entertaining. It's just been poor last couple of games. But what I, what I noticed during the Derby game is, obviously, Fergie got sent off. Um, and he was f- furious, right? He, so he got he got cautioned, didn't calm down, got a second caution, got sent off. So he was he was clearly irked and on edge and riled up, and he was like that for most of the game. Now I, I, I fully accept that he's just watched his team throw four stupid goals away, and that must be infuriating as a manager. But he looked lost, and that's where his frustration came out because. It wasn't like, you know, the referee had had a bad game and had made a couple of bad decisions that had got him riled up. There was none of that. I actually thought the referee had a great game. But he you'd think that that referee had just sacrificed Fergie's, like, firstborn, right? He was fur- he refused to leave the pitch when he got sent off. And I, I just wonder if there's a frustration bubbling away. Then we get this rumour today that maybe he's talking about leaving again. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he's has he got a... Has he got control? Has he got a plan B? Is there something going on off the pitch that we're not quite getting? Or am I reading far too much into a frustrating day? I think there's an element of reading far too much into a frustrating day because, as you say, you know, you've gone 4-1 down. That must be... You must be fucking spitting kittens. Ignore the, my French. Bleep that out. Um, that, well known, right. that well-known phrase, spitting kittens. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> he's actually quite well-known. I know that one. Yeah, I was, was going to say, spit. how dare you bring me out to be... Yeah, spitting stupid. feathers, not spitting kittens. No, I've heard kittens. Thank you. What? Thank you. That is not a thing. You're talking absolute nonsense. That's Nathan's hot take. Right? I promise you. I promise you it's not. Um, Google it now. You'll be you'll be surprised. Um, <laughs> I've completely forgotten where my point was going. But yeah. Sorry. That was, and I got so riled up then that I knocked my headphones out. That's how angry I was. It's spitting feathers. Somebody back me up on Twitter, please. Sorry, mate. But, um, you know, if you've just watched your side go one nil ahead and look really, really promising in the game, and then suddenly it's literally flipped within like 15, 20 minutes, you are going to be absolutely furious. Yeah, I, I get are. that. I get that, Nathan. I do. But that was first half. He's had half time. He's had 20 minutes of the second half. Yeah, things still aren't going great. But he was. I've ne- he's been in that situation before where his team's thrown away stupid goals, right? But he was he was not in his normal composer. I know he, he likes to berate referees. I get all of that. But he was on something yesterday. And it just makes me wonder if he was losing control because he's normally kind of relatively calm and, and mm. still composed, even if he's getting frustrated. No, no, I agree with you. I think... You know, maybe there's he's given the, the players some messages at half time and then that's kind of not happened in the second half, which you know, I know obviously we got a consolation back, but it, it didn't really look like we were ever gonna turn the game around. So, you know, maybe there's some frustration from that. Then maybe he's looked at his bench and thought, What can we do here? What's gonna change the game? And and ultimately, you know, all of that combined, I know I'd be annoyed if that were me. So, you know, imagine actually being, you know, the face of this this team that you've got out on the pitch and 
ultimately they gifted away a 1-0 lead. You know what um, he's done there by refusing to leave the pitch? He's done the old football manager quit and reload, hasn't he? That's what he was looking for right there. I bet he would as well. I bet that Darren Ferguson strikes me as that, that sort of person that would reload a football we've manager. Both done that, Tim, let's not pretend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never once. No, I just buy the in-game editor. That's how I get around it. Just destroy the team. So. Um, yeah, frustrating day at the office, though. Um Trying to find some positives in this one. I think Kipriano, again, deserves a little bit of credit. Um, I do want to touch on the base of the midfield. In fact, we'll, we'll do that now. We'll touch on the base of the midfield. Um, I mentioned to you guys yesterday when I was looking at the bench, uh, when we were 4-1 down, kind of, well, what can we change here? Because um, Collins was, I mean, he, apparently he played yesterday. Who knew? Um we're missing Taylor, right? Uh, we, we're missing his experience. I, I think Kipriano is is coming into his own, but that base of the midfield concerns me because when Josh Knight doesn't play, there's no real, there's no link between the two blocks for me. Um, and I, I feel that that's an issue. I get what you were saying, Nathan, about left back. And, you know, I agree with you. I don't think Burris is a left back. It's a discussion that, that we, we've had a few times, but that base of the midfield is causing me concern. However, in terms of positives, I think Kipriano is really starting to flourish. And in a, a team that has struggled the last few weeks, he's re- remained consistent. Um, and he's definitely a positive that I wanted to pick up on. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to, to Kipriano, I think maybe he's benefiting from the fact that Norban's not there. So he's got that, he knows that that's his position and that, you know, he's not going to have that that challenge. And I think maybe he's kind of settled into that, knowing that kind of this is my midfield, this is me marshalling it. Um, I think that, yeah, that must be a real benefit to him. I think, obviously, you mentioned the base of midfield. I think when Fuchs comes back, that's another player that can come in, depending on the opposition. I think even like yesterday, he's the kind of player that breaks up a game like that. He's the player that comes in and adds a bit of bite, a bit of grit, um, you know, can put in a challenge and, and get the crowd going. I think he... It's, it's a shame he wasn't available for yesterday because I think if Fergie looks to his bench and sees Fuchs on there, I think he's a player that you know he might consider trying to bring in and, and add a bit of bite and and uh, fizz to that midfield. Yeah, I, I think this is probably going to be one of the issues we're going to face this season. I know it's been touched on a lot. You know, it's it's the depth issue. Obviously, as you mentioned, we've lost Oliver Norburn. Fuchs is out for for a few months in, in injury. You know, we've not really got that battling, you know, sort of central defending midfield, that, that anchor in the midfield to, to sort of give us a base to build on. We've got two engines in the middle going box to box to box to box, which is fantastic if you've got a team and a tactic that works around that, but we haven't. You know, we need someone, as Tim said, at that base to sort of, you know, kick the crap out of people and, you know, put their body on the line. And, you know, Kipriano gets himself about, but he's not that player. You know, he, he's better going forward and, and you know, dictating the tempo you know he's, he's filling that jack taylor role quite well for me but we just need someone on the side of him to, to sort of you know put his body in get these tackles on you know take a tactical foul when they need to and at the moment we just haven't got that we've got two players wanting to get forward and control things and nobody coming back to get involved i think the, the other point to this is while i agree with a lot of dan said with Taylor, you had a goal-scoring midfielder. Now, I know Kipriani started the season off well and he's got a few goals himself, but I don't see him getting the number of goals that Taylor did. I don't see him getting definitely getting the goals, uh, number of goals that Sammy did. So, in previous years where we've got promoted or we've had positive seasons, we've had sort of attacking midfielders who've really got a good number of goals and who have had that attacking outlet and been a threat from 
you know, running in from deep or or running on to, to long passes, whatever it may be. You know, when we sold Sammy, we were losing, what was it, 16 goals from the previous season. I don't know how many Jack got, but I'm assuming it's probably at least around 10, if not maybe more. You're, you've lost that um, to a club who haven't actually bloody played him yet. Um, but, you know, that's that's the issue as well, is I think your your two primary sources of goals are Mason Clark, which is great. You know, he's a top winger. I think he's going to do great this season. And JCH. You've now lost Taylor, but that would have been your third player. You've, you've only really got two outlets that are going to score you goals in the starting 11 at least. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I suppose the caveat to that is they would have expected Randall to to fill a spot there. And although he's got himself into some good positions, he's not got that clinical finish yet as easy. But I would say Randall was probably their answer to that, that conundrum. And the thing is, I've, I've read over Twitter quite a lot over this weekend that, you know, the, the opinion of Randall's kind of flitting between he's been all right and then back to the usual he's not good enough. And it, that, that's what's frustrating for me with him is that I felt like we were onto a good thing or at least beginning to get onto a good thing with you, him. You, you, know, you know what it is, Nathan, right? So like we mentioned in the season preview pod, the club pitched him as this not changed guy, but you know, this was his season. He was the poster boy. So we all bought into that hype first couple of games. Yeah. Any little thing that he did well, it's like, yeah, this is it. This is his season. But unfortunately I fear after, you know, five games now, whatever it is we've played that actually we've come to realise that maybe he is what we suspected last season. There was particularly against Northampton. He, 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 for me, he was really poor. really poor. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, I'm i not expecting players to turn up every week and be a knockout performance. And I think with Randall, you're definitely not going to get that. But I, every time I watch him, I think there is just something there. There's just there's a player in there. And I don't know how you get it out because I've not done my coaching badges whatsoever. I have no clue on that front. I'm Football manager is the extent of my coaching knowledge. But there has to be a way that you can get that out of him. And I think oh. we've seen glimpses. There, there are elements that are, are kind of piecing together, but you're going to have that across the season. I don't think it's going to be, you know, week 10, he, he knocks it out of the park and that's the player that he's going to be for the rest of his career. Yeah, I but could, it's going mean, to be a persistence with him. And I get that point. And it's not for us to, you know, th- this club management has got a fantastic record at developing players, but... Could you not, with what you said there about there's a player there, you can see it, you just can't quite unlock it. Do you not think you could argue the same about Ricky J. Jones, about yeah. Harrison Burroughs? There's, you know, just to name but a few, there's there's players in this squad who you suspect are really good, but for whatever reason, we're just not unlocking their true potential. At what point, and this, is, this isn't just Randall, this is, we've mentioned this before with Ricky J. Jones, at what point do you go, well, actually... Maybe they're not a good player and perhaps we're just wishing that they are. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, when you look at, at Harrison Burroughs, so he's been played out of position for a start. As much as I can understand why, why we use him at left back, it's, it's getting a homegrown player into the side, which is, believe you me, I, I completely agree with it. I just think defensively he will never quite be as good as we hope him to be. And don't get me wrong, I'm a massive Harrison Burroughs fan and I, I always will be, but... I think he benefits from being further up the pitch. I think his delivery is wasted at left back. Um, you know, if you're going to have wing backs, then then I can see the point. But we've we've moved away from that, and rightly so. I think I quite liked him in centre mid last season. I must admit, I quite liked him there. While I know it was a bit of an experiment, and it was in those early days where Grant um, Grant was in. I just felt he, he looked good there and he scored a couple of goals and, and I think you were starting to see that from him. And then since then, it's 
we've just not played him there. When it comes to Ricky, again, I think he's a player who starts to look good, then has an injury or comes out of the side or something happens. And we stunt his growth from that point of view. And that's what's frustrating with Ricky because, you know, when he first came in at 17, he looked such a good prospect. Like he was really electric. And I think all of us were excited because we've got this striker slash left wing Rashford type of player who who can get past the player, who's got a lightning pace, who seems to be able to finish as well. I mean, he, he looked like he had the lot. Um, and that, that player is still in there. You still see glimpses of it. Um, especially, you know, with those two players, with Burrows and, and Jones, I, I think they just need game time. It is purely a run of starts, five or ten starts, where you'll eventually start to see it. Um, and again, it's it happened with Randall. You've played him for five games, and in three of them, he's looked decent. He's looked, looked solid and looks like a proper player. And then you've had two games where, you know, he's maybe not had, had his greatest game, his greatest 90 minutes. And we're back to the, the bashing him again. Um, it all goes back to that whole Leo de Silva Lopez thing where, for some reason, we just love to bash a player here. I don't know what it is. I'll never understand it, especially when it comes to a homegrown player. It just seems that our fan base just cannot stand a homegrown player. Um, I, 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 think, I think you make a good point. And game time is obviously going to help them both. The thing with me for Randall is it, it just looks like it's confidence. He, he doesn't look like he wants to hit when he gets in front of goal. He looks like he's always trying to look for that pass and then he gets in two minds and he eventually shoots and it goes horribly wrong. That, that for me, just that's time. All he needs is time. That running the squad, like you said, you know, get him a couple of games behind him, a couple of, of, of good results and he's going to have that confidence he's going to start to get that you know cocky edge and he's going to start banging them i honestly do think that randall is the player we thought he was going to be when he signed it's just getting him there and you know letting him overcome his injuries it's the same with ricky j jones i i I don't know about you two and you know by all means if you think i'm chatting it then say something but ricky j jones when he came on against derby i thought he was the absolute star of the show he looked fantastic you know it's the first time this season he's come on the pitch and i thought buddy that's a good run but yeah, I've done. Oh, he's got the ball! Oh my god! And, you know, I'm getting excited, and I I love Ricky J Jones. You know, I, I thought he was fantastic when he broke into the team. What I think four years ago now. You know, he was a fantastic sub, and then he had those horrible injuries, and you know, he has dropped off significantly. I, I don't think he's as good as he was when he debuted. But again, it's a confidence issue. He, he's he just seems to be down a little bit. You know, he, he seems like a happy-go-lucky guy, but he, he doesn't seem like he's involved in the game a lot of the time. You know, he, he feels like he's just coming on to, to run out some steam and, and get a bit of energy out, like a, a, a Labrador or something. You know, he needs a little bit of confidence, a little bit of cockiness. He needs to get that one or two goals from a couple of appearances or a run in the team where he starts. You know, he, he hasn't started a game for however long and, you know, he will eventually get somewhere with his, his football. And I think that is at Peterborough. I don't think it's away from us like everyone claims it to be. Hmm. I, I completely agree with you. The, the thing with Ricky is that you're not going to get in at left wing because you've got Mason Clark, who is such an inventive and creative and goal-scoring player. So, fine, he's not going to get the left wing role, but I don't think he's a striker as well. He's in that weird hybrid. That's why I would sort of compare him to Rashford. He's not as good as Rashford, don't get me wrong. But he's that element of player where he is very much a left winger, but he can play up front. And we're trying to shoehorn him in whatever position you can get him in, purely because you don't want to drop Mason Clark. Um, and you need a rotation option for, for Clark Harris. Like We're looking at a player who absolutely tore Man City's centre-backs to shreds in that FA Cup game, what was it, a season or two ago. Like, he was electric. And 
I'd say probably seven games out of ten that I've watched him, he's been really, really good. Like, very solid. He should have had that penalty, for instance, in, in the playoff second leg. He, For me, I just I think he has so much pace. And if you can get him finishing chances, if you can get him... You know, I think that the thing with him is is the decision making is if you can get that spot on, if you can get that to a point where, you know, nine times out of 10, he's getting the right pass or he's making that finish or he beats that player. I think you really have a very good prospect on your hands. I think it it is just trying to get him in that left wing position where he gets a run of starts. Um, So I know we gave him game time last season initially when Grant um, came back and he, he looked really, really good in the starts that he had. Um, and he, he tore some teams to shreds. And I, I think that there is that player there. It is very much just a case of giving them a, a run of starts, I think. Um, there is, there is a player there. There is a player there, and he has loads of potential. But we're also, like, what, four seasons into his development? Is he any better in that time? I'd argue probably not. He still runs really fast. But his decision-making hasn't improved. He still can't finish. So at what point do you go... We tried, but he's not for us, right? We missed the boat in loaning him out. I mean, that boat maybe hasn't sailed. He could still get, you know, regular game time elsewhere. But it feels like we've held on to for him for far too long. I don't, I don't see how we're promoting his development anymore. I feel like we're hindering it now. I, I just, it, I guess, it depends what the management staff think that they can do with him. Um, Ultimately, there will come a point where there will be an injury to Mason Clark or JCH uh, or whoever it may be, and he'll get some opportunities. Um, it's whether he takes them um, and whether he can get that 10, 15 game run where he scores a few goals, gets a few assists, and then you're actually looking at the prospect that I think a lot of us think he can be. Um, for me, that's that's the best case scenario um, because you, you are right. It has been three or four seasons where he's been a top prospect and at some point he has to show that and actually turn into that player. Interesting. Be interesting to see what comes of Ricky Joe Jones over the next few months. All right, before we get into looking at the previous two games, we've had an answer phone message in from Emerald Posh. Hello, Yellow Block. It's Emerald Posh here. I've got an important question that I'd like you all to answer. And that is, with one roll of sellotape, what's the biggest live animal you think you can wrap around a tree? Let me know. Jared, obviously. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> Apologies, Jared, I had to. No, don't apologise. <laughs> Jared, there you go. A cracking question, Emerald Posh. Uh, so with one roll of sellotape, what's the biggest live animal you think you can <laughs> wrap around a tree? Hmm. Are we talking just like a standard roll of sellotape here? Not like one of those bigger ones you get at Christmas. I guess we should. I suppose, I don't know, what am I thinking here? I, there's a lot of variables in this, a lot more than I think you're giving how it big, credit for. How big is the tree? How big is the tree? Mm. Is the animal al- alive or is it, you know, is it sedated? <laughs> no, um, I think you said live. Okay, but is it sedated? Is it asleep? Because you know, it's awake. <laughs> I'm not going to try my luck with a bear, but I feel like if it's asleep, I could probably get a bear around a tree. Yeah. Think- I'm not going to sleep tonight thinking about this. Um <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Emerald Posh an answer, and I'm gonna say a badger. So what about something I'm... like a giraffe or something like that, where you could kind of wander it over to the tree and then quickly run around and tie it around, like got, something like that? Yeah, which but, got then, but but you, you're just going around its neck, or are you going around its, you know, 
body. Because the neck would make the most sense. It's the largest surface area. Yeah, or just its tail. <laughs> you know, you could wrap it around its tail, right? I mean, does it need to be secure? Does it need to, does it, can it remove itself from the tree? I can't, this is hurting my head. A badger's um, definitely it, not the one, though, Tim. Have you seen a badger's claws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I, I reckon I could take a badger on. No, um, go for it docile, big and docile. Is that similar to docile, or is that is that just a northern? That was northern pronunciation of docile. Um, How about you both go and tie yourself around a tree? Yeah, good. Um, thanks for that message, Emma Posh. I like that. It's uh, you know deep and thought provoking. Uh, you can also leave us a voice message to be played on the show. Uh, just head over to speakpipe.com forward slash the yellow block, and you can record a, a voice note up to ninety seconds. Whether that's telling us how we've been wrong on a recent episode, suggesting ideas for the podcast, or an early vote for me as host of the season, that's www.speakpipe.com forward slash the yellow block. Uh, we do look forward to hearing from you. So, uh, Cobblers one posh nil. I guess the first question that any posh fan would want to know the answer to here was it over the line? It's that old nineteen sixty six thing, isn't it? You, you just can't, unless you're there, unless you're the linesman or one of the key, uh, the keeper or one of the defenders, you you're not going to know. It's so difficult to tell. I think. I mean, I, I didn't even realise this was a discussion. Did the ref not have a watch on? <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, they do, do they have it at this level? Well, all league levels. Now, oh, my, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now you've hurt my head even more than Emerald Posh's question here. Um, because, yeah, I'm pretty sure they... So, uh, yeah. Uh, I shall Google it and I'll get back to you. So I, I was... I rage quit, right? So I didn't really see much of a reaction afterwards. Were the players... Uh, contesting this. Sorry, just to go back to that. Goal line technology has been in League One since 2018. It, so, it's yes, it was over the line. line. Okay, well, second question to that then was Bilo at fault? I, uh, it's a difficult one. I, I think he, he probably should have done better. Obviously, it's it's hit his hand and and sort of ricocheted back in off it. But also, it's such a ridiculous shot you know obviously he wasn't intending to shoot it was a clearance that's gone incredibly lucky but I, I, I don't know I, obviously it's his fault it's no one else's fault in the team if you're going to blame the Peter player but I do think it's harsh yeah and I suppose the other thing is you know Bilo he does deserve a mistake doesn't he he's been fantastic for the the start of the season it's just it was an unfortunate time to um to get it, I mean, it was it was it was football. I don't think we were clinical enough. I suppose similar to the the derby game, there was opportunities there that we could have we could have taken and didn't. Um, I think Randall was really poor, and I know I've mentioned it already, so I'm digging him out twice, which is perhaps a bit unfair. But uh, the reason I mentioned that, Dan, is because on the the match preview pod that you and I did, we kind of agreed this was sort of a, a bit of a playground for for Randall and chance for him to show us what he can do. And so it was frustrating that he ended up having probably his worst game of the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still sort of wondering when, when his game will be. I think it is a matter of time before he sort of turns it up and, and just starts going ham in terms of, you know, creating and, and scoring. But I, 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 there's also an element of how long can we afford to wait? You know, there's obviously a player there, but if you can't do it against the lower end or what we expect will be the lower end teams in this league come, you know, May, who are you going to do it against? And, and when will that time be? Because 
there is going to be a certain point where we have to sort of say, well, this isn't working and change things up and, you know, maybe bring De Havilland in or, or change the shape or, or whatever we do. Mm. You know, it, there, there has going to be a line, especially if we, you know, continue to, to lose silly games like Northampton and, you know, obviously we've got Pompey twice away now. It's, yeah. The time yeah, it was it was our first kind of test against a team that were more than happy to sit back and soak up the pressure. Sort of prior to that, we hadn't really seen that against the games that we we played, and it did concern me a little bit. I suppose that maybe we lacked the. I don't think it was even so much just not being clinical because that's you know that can change from game to game. It was more the fact that we didn't seem to have that sharpness that we normally have going forward in terms of being able to break down a team that's willing to sit back and soak up the pressure. It's almost as though this season we're the team that's looking to play on the counter rather than take the game to the opposition. Um, and I think that's what we saw against Northampton. Uh, we were, you know, it was it was a bit of a game of chess, really, at, at points this one. It was boring, really. Yeah, I think you are going to get games like that across the season. Um, and it's quite surprising, really, that it was a game like that for a derby game, really. Um, but... I wonder if like we're we are slightly overreacting. I think because of the manner of the Derby game yesterday, um, and you know the fact that we gave four sloppy goals away, I think that's kind of paled this recent form, or at least the start of the season in general, a little bit more negatively than it needs to be. You know, we are only five games in, we've won three, we've lost two. That's not an awful record. While I, I think that we probably warranted maybe a few more points than that. Um, you know, I do wonder whether we are just getting slightly too negative. I, I, I do. I, I agree. I do take your point. I think the reason it feels that way is because we've conceded a ninety-plus six-minute goal against our rivals, a team that at that point hadn't won a single game, and then we've conceded four and completely imploded against the team that were there for the taking. So I think that's why there's a, and I think it's reasonable that there is a bit of negativity there at the moment. No, I, I understand that. I just I wonder if. You know, we need to wait a few more games and see how that pans out before we then start getting concerned. Um, a lot of sides in this league are still kind of getting used to themselves. You know, they're still trying to find some form. It's this isn't going to be how it's going to be. You know, come April May time, I think it's going to be a lot different. Um, the annoying thing for me is that obviously we've got the back-to-back games with Portsmouth. I, I kind of wish we'd have had one of the weaker sides. You know, whoever that may prove out to be, it's a shame that we haven't got got a side like that where we can try and get back onto, you know, winning ways and, and find our form again. Or maybe, you know, in, in the um, the Czech Trade Trophy, for instance, having one of the weaker sides, um, that could have done us the world of good just to, to get some confidence back in the players. But, you know, you never know. We might turn up at Portsmouth and have an absolute, you know, incredible result. It, sometimes you just don't know with Posh. It would be very us to do that, to turn up at, at Pompey and, you know, blow them away. I, I Hopefully that happens. But, you know, after the last two results, I can understand why there's some negativity. I just wonder whether it goes a bit too, bit too far so far. I don't know. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's a it's a fair point. Looking ahead, we've got um, Portsmouth this week in the cup. By the time you're listening to this, that will either have already happened or will be happening imminently. Um, Fergie has already said he's going to take the under 12s to that. Um, so good luck if you're making the trip all the way down to Portsmouth to watch the kids play. Fair play to you. Um, Saturday, we are away at Fratton Park again, this time in the league, um, before we then go on a, a little unscheduled international break. The Cheltenham game that was planned has been moved. Um, wedged in between the following league game, we have Cambridge at home in the Papa John's, wherever it's whatever it is this year, the ice cream cup, whatever it is, nobody will be going to that. Um, middle of September at home to Leighton Orient 
Then it's the home game against Cheltenham rearranged. So you're looking at maybe them two games and thinking they're both at home. Is that more of a chance to, to try and get some points on the board before we finish the month of September uh, away at Bolton and then at home to Bristol Rovers? And potentially one of those two teams will be sporting a certain Johnson Clark Harris if transfer rumours are to be believed. So September is a mixed bag. You have to say it looks easier on paper than August has been. But it's hard to predict with Posh here, right? You're looking at that and thinking we'll probably beat Portsmouth and Bolton away and then lose to Leighton Orion and uh, Cheltenham at home. That seems to, if uh, recent form's anything to go by. I don't know. I mean, how are we feeling about September? I think it'll be one of those months where it'll be a solid performance. We'll come away with, you know, six, seven points, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it'd be very posh to, to lose a couple of them or it'd be very posh to win a few and then lose... To, to Leighton Orient, for instance, it, I, I can just see it going one of those ways, really. Um, but yeah, I think we just need a bit more confidence again. We need to get back to that that early season confidence that we seem to have, um, which was really, really good to see. I think, you know, from the outset, when when the club sort of said that we were going to go the young and hungry route and we were going to try and, you know, move on most of the squad, if not all of it, that, that was my concern was that, are we going to end up mid-table purely because of the youth that we're going to have and there's not going to be any experience? And I think the fact that we've started off so well kind of gives me a tiny smidgen little bit of confidence that we might do fairly well this season. And I think we need to try and, especially in, in the next couple of games, really hit back on that and, and start to get back onto that that track. Yeah, and there's one fixture there, Dan, that will be uh, sort of grabbing your attention. Saturday 23rd, away at Bolton. Unfortunately, my friend, I've been put on two night shifts, so I won't be joining you up in the northwest as I originally planned. Um, but you must be looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. It's uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good testament of of where we see ourselves because Bolton are doing really well. You know, you, you take that result last week against Wigan out of the equation, and, and they look a really tasty side, similar to how they did last season. You know, scoring for fun majority of games and and, and really taking it to teams. So, you know, it, it's going to be a very good game. But I just I'm worried about where we're going to find ourselves by that time you know obviously we've got what is it four or five games before that September is a very packed month and it's a packed month for a squad that is not very good in depth you know we as we've been mentioning all podcast all season already you know we have not got a lot of players outside those first 11 you know maybe call it 12 with with the obvious substitute you know so one of those go down or one of them leaves on deadline day and we don't replace him or we don't have time to replace him you know we're already even more depleted than we already are. And yeah, yeah, yeah. football's a, a, a funny old game. And, mm. you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised if we're down to a, a, a meagre squad of 17 players come the end of September. Yeah, we can't be, you can't be down to those numbers at the end of September. That's a, you know, middle of December job, isn't it? But I, I, I you're right, I, potentially. It's a, it's a packed end to the month. Do you think that um, little sort of unscheduled two weeks that we've got, I know we've got a cup game in there, but those kind of little uh, two weeks that we've got between league fixtures is a, is a good thing or would you be rather, probably rather that later on in the season, right? No, I think it's a good thing now. Uh, I think it gives us time to sort of implement a couple of new things and and address where we're going wrong at the moment. Obviously, these last two games, you know, sort of illustrate that the team is not all it maybe was cracked up to be. And I don't think it was cracked up to be all that much before. Anyway, um, but, you know, there's obviously things that we need to address and we need to address them quickly. So, you know, that gap is a perfect time to be doing it early on. 
I am just sort of conscious of what comes after that. Obviously, you know, we've mentioned the away trip to Bolton. The away trip to Bolton is one of six trips to the Northwest we've got over September, October. And there's a six week period where we've got five or six trips to, to the Northwest, you know, three, four hours at a time, including a Tuesday night trip to our uh, Carlisle, yeah, which is that, horrible. I don't know. That's not, I know that every club has issues with EFL scheduling, but that's, that's just unfair. This, this is pretty poor. Cool. That's really poor. Yeah. And as where we are geographically, of course, it's not very often that we find ourselves in that situation. If you're a Carlisle or a Plymouth, you must be having these frustrations every week. But for a Midland side like Posh to be complaining about a Tuesday night away game, there's something something wrong with that. But then I suppose we've got to play them at some point, right? So it's always going to be it's always going to be a challenge. Yeah, but you know there are other games you can put on a Tuesday night. For example, you know we've got Orient coming up on a Saturday. Orient's what? Two hours on the train, maybe. Yeah, but then you're there. you're relying on whoever Carlisle would be playing on the Saturday that we're playing late in Orient to travel to Carlisle on a Tuesday. They might right, so give them Bolton. Give Bolton. <laughs> Bolton's a perfect Tuesday for for Carlisle. All right. What isn't a perfect Tuesday is a team like Peterborough. Oh, yeah, or a team no, like is it, it's a shame actually because it was one of the away days I've not done, and it was one of the away days I did benchmark for this year, and I'm, I may still do it depending on how work falls. Um, but yeah, it's. It's not, it's not, it's harsh, isn't it? It is a tough one, but it is what it is. Uh, last game since we last recorded, um, slightly more positive this one. Barnsley won, posh three, came from behind, all kind of changed in about 10 minutes. It was, um, it wasn't akin to Old Trafford, but it was kind of 10 minutes of madness, this one. Yeah, it was very much posh of old, really, wasn't it? Um, I think that that's, that's the side of the game that, you know, I, I refer to what Dara's been saying quite a lot of, you know, will be very risky, but it will be, you know, attacking football and and that kind of did epitomize that that's that's kind of what i meant by it that that very much was a a result where you come away from it thinking oh that was great like we've, we've really knocked them apart in in that 10 15 20 minute spell um and we need to see more of that especially when we go behind um you know for instance in this in the derby game where you you're suddenly 4-1 down you need to see a bit of urgency a bit of you know, we can get back in this kind of um, attitude and, and you definitely had that from that Barnsley game. And to do it against Barnsley as well, who are, are a solid side, like they, they are a good team and they will do well this year. Um, I think that was a, a good mark of intent and, and hopefully we can have more of those, um, you know, across the season. Yeah, fingers crossed. It also, um, for us, marks the end of league action for August, which means it's time for us to nominate for the prestigious Ivan, pre, prestigious, prestigious Ivan Tony Award for August. So need nominations, please, for Player of the Month. I'm going to throw in uh, two. Uh, one of them is quite obvious. Uh, I think Hector Kiprianu needs a nomination here. Uh, I'd also like to throw in Bilo, um, maybe slightly more controversial after Northampton, but I still think he's come in and made that position his own. So they're my two nominations. Uh, feel free to agree or disagree with any of them. But uh, yeah, who are we nominating for Tony Award winner for August? Um, I'll go different from you, Tim. I think I think Collins has been all right. Decent, solid start to his posh career. Um, you know those glasses that you've got on, Nathan? Um, mm-hmm. How strong is the prescription on those? Very, very strong because so, I have terrible eyes. Uh, no, no, no. It's just, just. No, I take your point. Yeah, thank you very much for pointing that out. No, I, I quite liked Collins in in some of the the bits that I've seen of him. I, I think he will will be a good player. I, I get that, you know, especially yesterday, it was a very anonymous game from from him. Um, 
but I think, especially from what I've seen, he looks looks a solid prospect. And yeah, I'm more saying that purely because I think that there is a prospect there. Um, and then the other player I think has been okay, and I think it was very much in a player or, or at least a position that we needed would be Kyoso. I think he's been all right. Yeah, um, yeah. He does remind me of Mark Little from that point of view, just bombing forward. I think that's mm -hmm. that's going to be kind of what we're seeing from him. And he's been fairly defensively sound. Um, again, you know, I know that we we had a bad result yesterday. Um, but I, I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, so, yeah, probably more Kyoto than, than Collins. But I, I think Collins will, will come good. Yeah, no, Kyoto is absolutely a valid shout. Uh, Collins, Dan, thoughts? Yeah, for me, I, I don't think Collins should be in the conversation. He, he's done well, but when he's not played well, he's been pretty no, I agree. I agree. Um Kyoso, I like, to be honest, I, I think he is very good defensively. I, there are still question marks attacking for me. I think his decision-making when he gets into a, a little bit of space in the attacking third, it, it, it's a bit... You know, sort of, there's question marks there for sure. You know, going for a, a shot every now and again, fair enough. But it does seem to be any time he gets a little bit of space on that that sort of right corner, he goes, oh, go on then, I'll have a pop. And I guess if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle. But he's not winning the raffle when he does buy a ticket. So, you know. Um, but obviously, on the flip side of that, he has got one or two assists. And, you know, when he, when he gets into that touchline area, he, he does do well. So... I think it's a very good shout, but for me, the most consistent player and the one that has done well, even when we've lost, is, is Kipriano. It's got to be yeah. here for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've just thrown those two names out there as separate to Tim's suggestions. But yeah, I, I think Kipriano does make the most sense. Um, and I think we are going to see a lot, lot more from him. I think last season he was very good. It was a solid 7 out of 10, but I think this season we're, we're going to see even better than that as yeah. Dan dances. That's done, dances, yeah. Uh, well done then, Hector Kiprianu, the Ivan Tony Award winner for August, and a fantastic um, achievement for him. I, 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 I've got such high hopes for Hector this year. I think he's going to, because when, when we first signed him, I couldn't help but feel like he was just going to become one of those anonymous players that we never really see, like an Adol Nabil, you know. Callum Joe. Yeah. Callum Reed. Yeah, exactly. You, you can name so many, can't you? And there's probably so many more that we've forgotten about that kind of just come in and eh, never really do a lot. But he's, you know, he's really starting to, to cement himself and I've got real high hopes for the Cypriot. I really do. I think he's going to be great this season. Um, good. Okay. Well, our prediction league table at the end of August stands as such. We've got an outright winner in the form of David Dilloway, who leads the way with four points. Uh, tie in second place between Dell, Jazz Photography and embarrassingly, producer Danny, who doesn't even support Posh. Uh, those three are all sat on three points. And then a host of people on two, including Dan, yourself. Uh, you make up uh, the top ten as well. Uh, don't forget to get your predictions in before each league game and tag hashtag TYB prediction, so the yellow box prediction, um, so your comments don't get lost because we have oh so many. Uh, it just saves Dan time when he's trying to collate them all. So. Good. Any other business that you chaps want to talk about before we Put another one in the can. Oh, that was a very like seductive finger waggle there, Dan. That was might need a moment to go and cool down. You know, genuinely, I'm I need to go and have a long shower and think about what animal I would sell a tape to a tree. Um, Emerald Posh has got inside my head here because there's way too many variables. Next time I'm sat outside hospital waiting to offload a patient, that is the question I should be pondering and asking them. Um, 
assuming that it's appropriate of course uh good so let us know as well what animal you could sellotape to a tree with one roll of sellotape uh, that would create a good discussion uh thanks for listening and thanks to those who have written to us uh, please do get in touch it gives us plenty to discuss which is good fun uh we'll be back with an episode later on this week to preview the pompey games dan i think you're uh, looking at leading that one so we've got pompey away in the league Yep, so that will probably be recorded after the cup game on Tuesday nights. So we've got a, you know sort of a, a fresh analysis of what the team might be for them, uh, and also for us. Obviously, if we're resting players, it's probably going to be similar to the derby game. But uh, expect that probably Thursday. Fantastic. Good. Look forward to that. Uh, follow us on the socials and visit our website, theyellowblock.co.uk. And don't forget to vote for us in the FCAs. And thank you in advance if you up the posh. Um, who the hell is Emerald Posh? I recognise his voice. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.